Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, everyone. This is Suzanne Knabe-Nicole with a live interview on the Police Science Doctor channel. So today we're, um, we, so I say we, the um, stress, police stress expert, Ginny McKenna, whom I'm going to um, show you in a minute, and I, we're going to be interviewing a police chief from Oregon in the United States because he's managed to single-handedly turn around the mental health of his police department um, back in the US. So we're going to speak to him about how he did that and um, how maybe you can do it or how your chief can do that as well. We're going to get to that in a second. So the only thing I'm going to say about Corey is that, um, as I said, he's a police chief. He's got a Bachelor of Arts degree in criminal justice and is a graduate of the FBI National Academy class um, 237. So I'm going to bring you and Ginny McKenna now, who's going to have a few words to say, and then we're going to bring on the chief. Hi, Susanna, everybody. Um, any of you have seen me before? Um, I caught with more than 20 years on the on the streets in the UK, um, and now a life coach and traumatic incident reduction facilitator, helping cops get through stress and trauma and PTSD. Um, the, the guy we've got on today is an amazing chief. Um, I met him as a result of our last stress resilience workshop that we did. I got chatting to him and realised that this guy has really got his finger on the pulse and he's doing some amazing things. And I'm sure once you, you listen to what he has to say today, you will be just as impressed as I was that he's out there looking after the physical and mental well-being of both his police officers and staff. Suzanne. Right. And now speaking of these workshops, which is how Corey found us and we're going to touch with him. I'm going to put some links here into the comments. Speaking of comments, please tell us who you are and where you're watching from. It's always great to see the, the global spread of all the people who are um, taking part in these events. So what I've put into the comments where, you, where you're watching this just now is the replay of the Stress Resilience Workshop Series. It's a series of three workshops that Ginny and I did together. In each workshop, you actually learned a skill from Ginny on how to increase your resilience to stress, how to cope with trauma and anxiety. So it's really worth watching those. The other thing I'm going to put into the comments now is is the replay link to the mental health webinar, mental health and policing. So please do watch that as well. All these events were free and you can watch the replay on there. So some amazing resources in there. And obviously for anyone who wants to build up their stress resilience, Ginny and I have also created a course. The next cohort opens in September and I've put the link in for that just now. Now, in terms of housekeeping, if you've got a question for um, us or for Corey, then please type it into the comments as well, but start it with a Q. Then I know it's a question and it's something that um, somebody would like answered. So um, for any other comments, introducing yourselves, ask, answering questions that other people ask, perhaps of the um, you know of fellow watchers, um, just put that in normally. But if it's a question you would like us to ask um, and it's going to appear on the screen, then please start it with a cue. Now, without further ado, I would like to bring on Chief of Police, Corey Darling. Hello and thank you for joining us today, Corey. Hi, everyone. Thank you uh, for uh, inviting me here. It's a, it's a pleasure for me to be here. And uh, I've uh, seen what you guys are doing. And it's amazing work. And um, I'm just I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and about your police department? Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been in law enforcement for a little over 32 years. Uh, I started like most police officers in a patrol um, environment. 
um, answering calls for service, responding to uh, reports from our community. Um, I spent some time in the traffic unit. Uh, I was a field training officer, uh, firearms instructor, integrated use of force instructor. Uh, I spent time as a detective, um, 16 years in SWAT. I was a SWAT team commander, and then I started promoting through the, the ranks uh, from sergeant, which is a frontline supervisor for us, uh, lieutenant, which is middle manager, uh, then captain, which is a division commander. Um, I retired from the Bend Police Department in 2018 and became uh, chief of police for the Sun River uh, Police Department in Oregon. And uh, so what I'm going to talk about a lot is the program that we put together um, in, for the city of Bend. And it's a, 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 a city about 100,000 population. Uh, we have a little over 100 sworn police officers. Um, it's more of a resort community. Uh, it's a destination uh, location. So people come uh, to vacation in Bend. It's uh, just a beautiful area. So um, that's kind of us and, and, and who we are. Okay, excellent. Right. So we're so currently you're working for Sun or your police department. It's the Sun River Police Department, Oregon. But the the transformation that we're going to be speaking about today was in a city called Bent in Oregon as well, I take it? That's correct. It's about uh, 15 miles to the north of Sun River. So we're in Corona. Okay. Fantastic. Okay, so um so we're going to speak about how you turned around the mental health of your police force um you, you said you had about 100 sworn officers when and how did you start noticing that something had to be done you know what were the symptoms that were coming up what told you that something was wrong here yeah you know we really started taking notice of some of the issues around 2010 uh we had several of our officers that um they had gone through some pretty uh traumatic calls for service and they were coming to us and, and explaining some of the, the issues that they were having and sleep issues and anger issues, things of that nature. And we, at that point, were trying to get them into professional services with mental health providers. And what we found is it was really difficult. Uh, when we tried to get our officers into those programs, they were, you know, four, six weeks out. And what we found is when a police officer finally has enough courage to come to you and say, I need help, they need help then, not four weeks in advance, you know, down the road, right? So uh, we really wanted to develop a program to look at that initially. And, and that's when we started to contract with a police psychologist to work within our agency. And that position was more of a conduit to get people into professional services. Um, that that individual was not doing clinical work with our officers. We didn't want that. Um, we wanted more of a conduit to get them into professional services and get them the help that they needed. So that was kind of the first step that uh, got us on this road to health and well-being. And at that time, um, I was the division commander for our support services division. And what that does is it's basically everything within the agency that supports the, the cause of the mission, right? So we had a professional standards, records, evidence, uh, training division. And I had two individuals in my unit, uh, Lieutenant Brian Beekman and Sergeant Scott Vincent. And they were fantastic individuals. And we started looking at our the health and well-being of our officers. And we started at what is causing injury to our officers? And where are they? We starting to break down. So we had that mental health piece that we knew we had to address. But we also looked at um, 
our officers were experiencing knee injuries, hip injuries, shoulder injuries, back injuries. And so we started to look at and, and gain information and knowledge from professionals within our community. How can we repair this with our officers? And one of the things that they told us right from the start is you have flexibility issues and you have strengthening issues. And um, one of the things that uh, we learned is yoga, believe it or not, is a fantastic way to build flexibility and improve your strength. And so and it, this, was, this was quite a sell for us. To, to imagine police officers doing yoga is incredible, right? You just, it, it's not something that, you know, officers really want to get into. It's not that, that macho thing. It's not black. It's not tactical. They don't want to do it. Uh, so we really had to look at how can we, how can we get this and sell it to them? Um, so we looked at some of the leaders within our organization and it, it, they didn't have rank, but we knew they were the ones that people would follow, right? And we reached out to them and we said, hey, look, we want to try a pilot program. We want to try yoga within the organization. Would you help us? And it started out, we would do four sessions a week. And, and we had a mid-shift that started at noon and went to midnight. And it was kind of an overlap shift. So we had coverage during the day and we um, gave our officers an hour to attend yoga on duty, and that's how we sold it. And uh, right off the get-go, we had officers that would say, yeah, that's not for me. I don't want to do it. Uh, it's a false religion. Um, I don't want to do yoga. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do yoga. That's crazy. But we started small, and we sold it. And when those, those people that were in the program started to say, hey, look, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Um, I can touch my toes now. It doesn't hurt me when I walk up and down the stairs. And they started to see the benefit. Other officers started to come around and started to uh, participate in the yoga program. And then they started to come on their off-duty time. So um, it, it was incredible the way it started out. And it was um, a couple of years later, we were actually contacted by our insurance carrier. And they asked us, what are you guys doing? Because the, the, the number of insurance claims that you have and the cost that we're paying out um, is really reduced. It's below the comparables of agencies your size. What are you doing? And we explained to them that, hey, we've implemented some of these programs and um, we're seeing some benefits. You know, the, the officers are happy, the morale increased, the teamwork, the camaraderie, uh, we saw improvements in, in all of those areas. Um, and then one of the, uh, the byproducts of yoga is at the end of the session, each time they would do what's called a, I think it was a dead man's pose. But basically, it was a, they, would, they would lay on the mat and do a self-body scan, um, which they were practic practicing mindfulness. They didn't know that they were practicing mindfulness. So we were able to implement that later down the road as well. So it was a great sell all around. Sorry, as a, as, sorry, as a former officer, Corey, I have to say, and I'll put my hand up as being one of those people who would have said this is totally woo-woo, totally not something I'm going to get involved in. I'm a cop. I don't do stuff like that. And I could probably name you, oh God, 
hundreds of, of, of cops who are still serving who would look at that and say, if you think I'm going to do a downward facing dog or some other, that's the only one I know, actually, the only, the only position I've heard of. Uh, but if, if they were you were to give them that, they'd be like, there's no way I'm doing that. Right. No exactly. way. Exactly. You know, you know, and I'm, I'm an old school cop as well. You know, I was on the SWAT team for 16 years. Um, I didn't buy into it at the very <laughs> beginning either. But once I got into it and I saw the benefits and I was sold, you know, I I'm a true believer now. See, I'd, I'd like to know, um, we've got a question from the audience, we'll ask it in a second. I'd like to know, how did you select those, um, you know, let's say the queen bees, that if they went somewhere, people would follow? Were they were they the, you know, the, 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 the macho guys, the charismatic people? Were they people who were already sold to the concept of um, looking after yourself? Or, you know, what were your criteria? Yeah, so anytime that you're going to implement a new program, you've got those early adopters, right? Those people that are progressive, that are, you throw something new at them, they're going to grab it and run with it, right? Um, those are the people that we really looked at and we targeted. And one of the benefits that we had is, hey, we're going to allow you to do this on duty for an hour. And you've got your choice. You can go out there and shag calls and work, or you can try to do this, this yoga program with us. Which would you rather do? And uh, They said, well, hey, we'll give yoga a try. You know, it, it can't be that hard, right? So. Right. So it's just one hour a week, was it? And it uh, We had four sessions per week, right. and it was one hour per session. And that's how we, we started it, and it grew from there. Okay, fantastic. So we've got a question here from Claire. She's a UK police officer from Hertfordshire, a negotiator and investigator. How many female officers did they have? And do they have female-specific body armor or equipment? Right. So um, let's see, at Ben P Police Department, I think we had uh, 10 or 11 uh, female police officers. Um, and when we talk about specific body armor, we went to what's called an external vest carrier, which is we used to wear the vest underneath our, our uniforms and the external vest carrier goes on outside like a like a vest. And um, what we found is It gave the officers the ability to put equipment on the vest, get it off of their hips, which we saw a decline in uh, back injuries. So um, getting the weight off of the hips and more distributed amongst your upper body uh, was a, 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 you know, a strong benefit for us. Yeah, with regards to that, I've, sorry, Susan, I was just going to say with regards to that, I actually had a, a back problem myself and eventually was able to use the the uh, the outer vest so you could carry equipment on that but with regards to do they have sp female specific body armor certainly throughout my service i have never had body armor that actually works specifically for the female body um you just end up you know because of your boobs you have to get bigger men's gear it's not designed for women in any way shape or form which in itself can create problems for, for female officers so i get i think where claire's coming from with that Yeah, and there are companies out there that make female-specific body armor, um, and we do use those companies. But with the external vest carrier, it's not as strong as of an issue as it was in the past. Okay. So, Jeannie, uh, the next question comes from you. Yeah, I mean, we, we chatted the other week there, Corey, and you told me about some of the changes in the interventions that you'd brought in other than, than the yoga, one, which blew my mind, and, and the mindfulness. What, what other things did you bring into the department that helped change the, the, the physical and mental health of your officers and staff? Yeah, exactly. So, um, unfortunately, in, in 2014, we had a uh, sergeant within our police department. He was 43 years of age. He was in great shape. 
uh, he had a massive heart attack on duty and died. And so we wanted to know, you know, from a holistic standpoint, uh, what, what's going on with our officers? Because we know that when you first get into the profession, uh, you are physically fit because we test for that. Uh, you're mentally sound because we, we send you to our psychologist. We do a comprehensive background investigation. So what happens from when we start in this agents or in, in law enforcement, you know, and then 15 years in our career, we're starting to have mental health issues. We're having coronary issues. We're having sleep issues. We're diet issues. Um, what, what's going on? Why are we doing this? So we looked at a, a comprehensive wellness program that included uh, a diet value, a diet and nutrition evaluation. Uh, we did sleep evaluations where um, they would have a take-home unit, and it would um, it would look at how they're sleeping, their deep sleep, their REM sleep, all of that, and then it would give feedback. It would be evaluated by a doctor. And if there was some significant issues, they would go in for further treatment, and then they would be able to um, hopefully come up with something that would help them with their sleep. Um, functional fitness was something that we looked at because of all of the injuries that we were having. Uh, we wanted to know um, what could we do from a strength standpoint. So we took them to a physical therapist, um, and, and they looked at it from a a symmetric issue. So they went through 13 different movements and they could determine if your right side was symmetric with your left side. Because if you have a strong right side, a weak left side or a knee or an ankle, whatever, you overcompensate for it, which makes you prone for injury. And so we went through that. They identified specific issues for our officers and then gave them specific exercises that they could do to improve those different areas that would make them more symmetric and less prone to injury. So with yoga, with the uh, strength evaluation and the, and the strengthening programs that we provided, uh, it really improved that piece for them. And then we looked at cardiac screening, uh, which consisted of a lipid panel and then a CT scan of the actual heart which we were able to identify in some officers, some early onset of cardiac problems that they were able to um, put programs in place to correct that so they wouldn't have that massive heart attack uh, down the road years later. So um, trying to put a holistic approach to um, the wellness of our officers. And then another thing that we looked at that was very useful was in yoga, we started to go down that mindfulness road. And so we wanted them to be in a good state of mind when they go home to their families. So at the end of their shift, we took them through a 10-minute guided mindfulness um, activity. And it's really easy to do because we had an application that you all put on your phones, which it was called Headspace, that would give you that self-guided meditation. So at the end of their shift, before they go home to their families, um, they could calm down from the events of the day and uh, go home in a, in a much better mindset and um, have a better interaction with the family when they got home from work. This is the first time that I've heard about a police department or agency actually doing holistic um, preventative work. Did you how How did you get the funding agreed for that? And were people saying that, no, we're not doing that because 
we don't want to spend money. We're already short strapped. With oh, absolutely. Cash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. And we, we ran into the same thing. How are we going to pay for all of this? So, uh, what we did is we had really good relationships, working relationships with a lot of the pr providers in our area, right? And what we found is um, they really like police and they want to help them and they want to keep us well and safe because they know that we are providing services to the community. And so we reached out to our, our providers and we got reduced costs or we got assistance from insurance. And what we found is insurance companies they have money set aside per, for preventative medicine. And all you need to do is you need to pre present a program to them. And then you could pot potentially get a grant like we did uh, to pay for some of that or offset some of that cost. Um, and we also looked at um, some data. We looked at uh, suicide within law enforcement. It's, it's not something that people really like to talk about, but it's a huge issue. And we wanted to address that suicide component within, um, within law enforcement. And we looked at our training. And we are really good at training. We're really good at emergency vehicle operations, defensive tactics. Uh, we, we have it really dialed in. But if you look at the numbers of line of duty deaths within the United States, um, suicide above and beyond anything that we are we're doing that is killing us in law enforcement, right? It's not the vehicle crashes. It's not the assaults on police officers. We're killing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if we don't provide training to our officers, we're doing a disservice to them. So we looked at our training budget and we said, look, where can we put programs within to help our officers be well and, and be able to not only do the job, be, be healthy as well. It goes back to, we hire good people. What happens? Is this career that toxic that is causing these issues? And we found that um, we have a piece of that. We own some of that and we have to do our part to help our police officers. So um, looking at it from a grant standpoint, from the, the insurance companies, uh, the people in our community that are willing to help. And then um, the, the agency itself stepping up and providing money. That's amazing, Corey. In in what areas um, have these interventions impacted in terms of, you know, sick leave, uh, costs obviously through your insurance, which is a little bit different for how it is in the UK, but also in your community as well. What's the impact been for, the, for all of that? Yeah, right. So uh, we did see a reduced injury um, cost. The, the trend started to go down, which our insurance company was extremely happy about. Uh, we saw that the severity of the injuries to our officers were less than before. So you're still going to have injuries that, you know, you're not going to get away from that. However, the severity of those injuries were less than they were. Uh, we saw a 28% uh, reduction in sick time compared to the comparables of our, our city. Um, and on average, our officers were only using about 2.5 sick days per year, which if you want a matrix to look at, you look at the sick days your officers are taking. Um, and then you look at that morale piece. And if you have good, healthy, happy officers, they're going to provide better service to your community. Um, one thing that we saw was we looked at our, our use of force statistics from 2012 through 2018, and we saw a 34% reduction in use of force. 
Now, can we say statistically that, that we can show that correlation? I, I don't know. You really have to get into that study. But we're seeing that our officers are using less force on the street, which I think that we're providing well-being to our officers. And in turn, they're providing a better service to our community. That's brilliant. And, and what, what is the feedback from your officers and community, Corey? How are they, how are they you know, addressing what's happening now? How do they feel about it all? Yeah, so like that morale piece, um, our officers felt better. Um, they had clearer minds, and we, we received these comments from them. And um, they enjoyed work more. And the yoga piece and the functional fitness training that they did gave them more of a team environment and they felt really connected to each other, uh, which uh, I think was, was extremely beneficial. And then uh, right now it's really important for us in the United States to recruit new officers. Uh, we're going through a difficult time in the United States right now. And one of the things that we found is our recruiting efforts really improved because people wanted to come to work for us because of our wellness program. They wanted to work for an agency that would look after them and take care of them when they went out on the street. And they wanted to feel that peace and connection to the department. So um, from that standpoint, uh, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Well, to be honest with you, Corey, um, just having that chat with you the other week there, if I'd have been 20 years younger, I might have been moving across to Oregon and applying to the, to join yeah. some river because it just it made me want to be a cop again um, yeah. because, you know, for me, what you're doing is the right way to do it. You're supporting your officers and your staff, and then they can go out there and do the job that they absolutely love. So, you know, you get my vote every day. And I genuinely appreciate what you're doing for, for law enforcement officers and staff. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, one of the things that we say um, in, in our profession is, you know, our people are our number one asset. We need to take care of them. So from a, an administrative standpoint, from a chief of police, I've got to put up. I've got to make that commitment to actually take care of my people. And uh, we've decided that's what we're going to do. And it's been uh, really beneficial to us. Brilliant. We've got more questions from the audience here. So we've got um, Dr. Musad Anadja. He's um, he's a psychologist, but he's a former police officer in Kuwait. Uh, he's asking, do you also include the officer's family in the treatment or in your consultation? Yeah, we uh, we implemented a program for specifically for our spouses, right? Because we wanted our spouses educated on the police culture. Because who's going to identify problems with the officer first? And that's going to be the family, right? They're going to see the changes in the officer. They're going to see the problems at home. And if they have the education and background to identify that, um, they can let us know and we can intervene, intervene in the process. But also, our families needed to have that network. So they have somebody to talk to about what's going on within their, their own families, right? Hey, this is a culture. Policing is a culture. Okay. And they really needed to have that, that networking system. So we would have, we would have barbecues. We would have uh, like river rafting outings, uh, get-togethers, um, sporting type things where we go mountain biking or what have you, just to bring the family units together. And then when we would bring somebody in from the outside, a new hire, the families would step up, bring them in, introduce them to the schools, uh, tell them, you know, the best health care, et cetera. All of those things that when you move into a new city that you need to know. So it really began to build that. It's, we are a family. It's a family unit. 
Um, and then we introduced uh, peer support as well, which I think most agencies have that, where um, you have identified people that go through special training that are inside your, your department, right? Other officers that have that training. So when you have a critical incident, um, you can do defusings, debriefings, um, things of that nature. And then when you're struggling as an officer, you have a peer that you can, you can talk to, you can confide in, you can lean on um, to get through that. I've got some more questions here um, from Claire. Um, I'm not going to put them on the screen because she's put, um, put them all in. I'm going to read them out. Um, how long is an officer's service? Do they retire after 20 years or 30 years, or is it age-dependent? Yeah, so we have a program um, specific uh, to Oregon, but it's pretty consistent across the U.S., uh, 25 years in and 50 years of age. So uh, in, in the United States, you can retire uh, at, a, at an early age if you're a police officer. Okay. And um, in your 32 years, have you seen a rise in cum cumulative PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, or general poor mental health in offices? Yes. So it used to be the philosophy in law enforcement was, hey, suck it up and move on, right? Come on, you're, you're a cop. We hired you to do this job. Just, just suck it up and move on. Uh, we don't do that anymore, right? We identified that uh, PTSD is a real thing. Cumulative stress is uh, a major part of um, the profession that we do. We see things that most people will never see. And within a month's time, we'll probably see more stuff than most people will see in a lifetime, right? And we have to deal with it and we have to process that. However, there is a stigma in law enforcement that prevents law enforcement officers from getting the help that they need. If you break an arm, it's no big deal. You go to the doctor and you get a fix. But if you're having mental health issues, that's a different thing altogether. People, there's such a stigma that we have to work to reduce that, um, uh, we need to provide that to our officers. The more that we talk about it, the less it becomes an issue. Um, I've received mental health uh, um, intervention. Um, I have my own clinician. And I think that everybody in law enforcement um, should have that opportunity to see somebody on a regular, ongoing basis, just to check in, just to see how you're doing. Because we don't necessarily see things happening to us because it, it, it's, it does, it's not acute, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. It's an ongoing thing. Uh, and in my own self, I could see myself, I was having um, some anger issues. Um, I was cynical. I looked at everybody as being a bad guy. And, and um, I thought everybody was terrible. And so there was some, some things that were affecting me. Uh, and my sleep was terrible. Um, and after I got into a program, um, I did some things. One of the things that I did was EMDR. I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, but it is fantastic for a law enforcement officer because they don't necessarily have to talk about their feelings and issues, but it's extremely beneficial and it's, it works. So um, PTSD is a huge part of our profession and we really have to accept that mental health piece and get help. 
And what, what you were saying there is, is really important in terms of you actually going through the program. So at our webinar, um, we had Dr. Marla Friedman from um, the state of Illinois. She's a police psychologist. Talk about one of the programs she has called Chiefs Lead the Way, where the chief of the department goes to and have, have goes and has a mental health checkup, comes back to work and says, I've had it. It was good. I want you all to go. And that gives, you know, in terms of stigma, well, you can't have a stigma anymore because you have to go. The chief, sits, the chief said so. And also, it's not uncool, the chief's been, you know. So it's, I think it's so important to actually have this come from the top down if you want to change the police culture. So I think it's really good that you did that. Yeah, I mean, we have to lead the way, right? And uh, if it's something that important, and I feel that it really is extremely important, uh, we, have to, we have to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Absolutely. And I also think something you said there, Corey, about a regular checkup. Let's do it before we get to crisis stage. Oh, yeah. absolutely. H having that, that, that facility to talk through things, process things, get them out of your head before it gets to a point where you can't cope anymore. I think that's a brilliant suggestion. Yeah, totally agree. Question here. Do you do debriefing or intervention after each major incident? Right. Uh, so we do diffusings and we do debriefings. And uh, those have proven to be so successful to us, um, whether it's, a, it's an officer-involved use of force that leads to the death of another, if it's a major car crash, uh, child abuse, um, anything that is of a significant um, issue to our officers, we'll do a diffusing or a debriefing and um, highly suggest that every agency do that. And what, why do you think so many chiefs do not take the steps that you've taken when you've shown that, you know, it's an initial investment, you can get some support, you can get some funding. Why do so many other police chiefs not take that step? Right. Um, yeah. You know, there's two things that uh, police officers hate. They hate the way things are and then they hate change. So it puts you in a really bad situation, right? Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. chiefs of police, uh, when you're looking at very, they like stability and they, they find comfort in um, doing the same thing and being in a routine. Um, and they will come up with excuses that it's going to cost too much money. Um, it's going to be too much work. Uh, I, I just, we don't have the time. And what I would say is you don't have the time not to do it because we're talking about the greatest asset that you have in your department. And that's your people. And you really need to invest in your people. If you help your people, they will do better for your community. They will provide better service. So in essence, if you're doing this for your, your people, you're actually doing it for the community. And that's why we're in the profession, right? Mm -hmm. We got into the profession because we wanted to help people. Well, let's help each other so we can help them. And so that's why it's really important. It's a passion of mine. And I am, I'm here to help anybody put together any program that they would like. Uh, I, I don't own anything. Um, but I can help uh, people put programs together if they like. Thank you. I think that's really great. So you said you've actually moved to a different department. So this was, we were talking about Bent, how, how that was got turned around. But you're now at Sun River. Beautiful title. You know, I'm, I'm sure Ginny actually want, really secretly wants to leave rainy old Scotland and go to Sun River <laughs> Police Department because it sounds so great. But what are, what are you doing there and what does the future hold for that? What have you got in, in store for them? Yeah, so we are we're doing much of the same thing. We uh, we we've done the, the programs for for yoga. We've done 
uh, the screening. Um, so just doing all of the things and putting all of the pieces together for Sun River, just like we did, Ben, because it's important that we take care of our people. Uh, it's a culture change. And uh, we got to get away from the old mindset, the old ways with, that we've done things in uh, policing in the past. And we need to move into that, that new era. And right now, uh, there's a lot of police reform taking place in the, in the states. And um, we have to change the way that we look at how we treat our people and the services we provide to our community. So it, it's the way of the future. And how long have you been doing that already at Sun River and what has been the impact so far? Yeah, I've been in Sun River for uh, three years now. And uh, we've, uh, we've really flipped the culture of this small agency. Um, and I think we're in such a much better place now than we were before. So things are really improving. Mm -hmm. what, what message would you have for other police chiefs out there? Uh, I think, you know, the, the thing that I would say is... Um, You start where you are, whatever you have in place, um, do um, use what you can and uh, do what you can to make a, a difference. And like we were talking about earlier, when we talk about the wellness of our officers and all of the different components that you can put in place in a holistic view, it's huge, right? It, this is a huge problem. It's like trying to eat an elephant. And how do you do that is one bite at a time, one piece at a time. Uh, start small, start with pilot programs and grow. And um, that's exactly what I would say. And um, reach out, uh, reach out and try to get uh, others involved in the programs that uh, you're trying to implement. And you will find that there are people in your communities that want to help. That's brilliant, Corey. I suspect I know the answer to the next question I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you had a magic wand and you could make one change in law enforcement, what do you think that would be? That would be, how do we keep the officers that we hire at day one to retirement, right? We hire healthy people right from the beginning. How do we get them to be healthy throughout their career and provide services to our community until they retire? And, and, and everybody get to the end result the same way. Brilliant. And um, lastly, if, if people only took away one thing from the interview that we did with you, what would you want that one takeaway that sticks in their minds to be? Um, take care of your people. Take care of your people and they will take care of your community. Absolutely. Couldn't have said better myself there, Corey. Thank you for that. I think Thank that's you. a good one. I think, Corey, you did some fantastic work. And uh, if we ever in Oregon, Ginny, I'm sure you agree, we'll, we'll come down to Sun River and see if it's as nice as it sounds. And uh, we'll have a look at all your healthy, thriving police officers and who are walking around with big smiles on their face and, and uh, you know, just, just keeping the community safe and, and loving it. Yep. Thank you. I'd love to have you here. Oh, for Actually, sure. I'm going to visit Corey. You may regret that. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned earlier you're happy for you know to signpost people. Are you happy for people to find you on LinkedIn and ask you questions if, if they're watching this? Absolutely. Uh, reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn or I can give you an email address, phone number, whatever. Like I said, um, I don't own anything. It's free to anybody that wants to use it. If anybody wants to contact me, um, I'll, I'll help them any way that I can. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Corey. Thank you, Ginny. Um, I hope you guys got a lot out of it. 
Now, these, this interview is going to stay on the link that you're watching this on. So get your police chief to watch it. Get your colleagues to watch it, saying it can be done. It actually saves money. It saved so much money. The, the use of force dropped by 30%. I wasn't actually aware of, um, you know, but the insurance payouts, the sick days off, and, you know, just general mental well-being and physical well-being as well. It's really worth it. So um, I think it's fantastic what you've done. And you know, get get the word out there. And there are tools, there are solutions to this whole problem. We just need to um, we just need to implement them. So thank you very much, and um, have a great week, everyone. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps, and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam, this is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.